This week on Trek Mary Kill. Eric's headbands, Optoad. Next. Star Trek is coming your way. Next on Nickelodeon. Trek Mary Kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek Mary Kill, a podcast where we drain the life force from episodes of Star Trek in order to determine their worth. And it makes me wonder, since this is our, our animated episode spotlight for the month, if I should be saying at the beginning, this month on Trek Mary Kill. I don't know, maybe <laughs> that should be another tweak. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about Star Trek, the animated series first season, two episodes from that which are now 50 years old. Wow. Uh, I think this has been your first experience with the animated series, right? Um, my first experience with a full episode. I've obviously seen clips. But yes, my first time watching a full episode from start to finish. Yeah, like we said last month uh, when I was talking to Lori Ulster, it's like, yeah, it's been around. Like I'm aware of I was aware of it before I actually got in and started watching it. And I had to say it's kind of a trip. <laughs> really. Um, it really is. Like, I can't believe this is for children. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> there's so much techno babble in every scene. Yeah, it looks like those Saturday morning or strip syndication cartoons that we saw probably growing up. Like, oh, those are the old cartoons. It kind of mm-hmm. looks like that. But then you like listen to it and like, well, no, what? <laughs> what are they yeah. talking about? <laughs> a lot of death, a lot of weird moral decisions happening. First up, we're going to talk about one of our planets is missing, mm-hmm. which on NBC Saturday morning, September 22nd, 1973, written by Mark Daniels, who directed several, several episodes of the live action original series some pretty famous ones. And it was directed by Hal Sutherland. Memory Alpha describes it. A mysterious cloud destroys planets. That's it. That's the description. (laughs) What Memory Alpha doesn't tell you is that this is the first episode where Mr. Eric's speaks. Who the hell is Mr. Eric's? Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, We'll find out. Uh, And the Enterprise actually gets absorbed by this cloud, a la V'ger, similar to the immunity syndrome, a lot of other things. Uh, But anyway, this was the seventh episode produced, but the third aired for NBC Saturday mornings. I'm not quite sure why that's the case. Uh, Mark Daniels, he directed The Doomsday Machine, uh, which has a lot of elements with this one. The Doomsday Machine is a planet killer. It's it's chewing up planets and then it's on course for the Rigel system. So the Enterprise has to stop it. Uh, it's a lot of s- similar story elements. Uh, this episode was novelized by Alan Dean Foster and Valentine Books' Star Trek Log One. You know, Kristen, before there was the internet... Before there was even like cable TV, you know, Star Trek went off the air and then it was gone and then it popped up in syndication. And so uh, Alan Dean Foster, a, a very successful um, novelist who's adapted, you know, genre properties, Star Wars. He famously did George Lucas's sequel to Star Wars called um, I can't remember the name right now, <laughs> but it was intended to be like if Star Wars is a flop, I'm going to make like a low budget sequel. Here's my script or ideas and that was the novelization anyway uh alan dean foster turned all the animated series into novels and those were bestsellers because it was like Mm -hmm. people that was the only star trek that people could get and if you kind of missed the saturday morning show wasn't like they were rerunning endlessly or available somewhere Mm -hmm. else so from the official guide to the animated series book written by aaron harvey and richard shepis which i spotlighted in last month's last month's episode with Lori ulster D.C. Fontana, who was the story editor for the animated series, said there was a lot of rewriting to do as the first script came in at an hour length. Of course, we couldn't do that. Mark, Mark Daniels, did four drafts of the script. The final polish was my job as usual. Uh, I just directors turn writers. Always, (laughs) always tricky. But uh, Mark Daniels really liked making Star Trek and he was really invested and wanted to do one. And we got to do one. Um, And then just one little continuity note. The Commodore Wesley character in The Ultimate Computer, he retired, he left Starfleet, and he became the governor of the planet Mantilles. So that's supposed to be the same guy. Oh. Just thought that was interesting there. All right, but let's talk about Mr. Eric's. Kristen, how would you describe him? Well, where does one begin? Um, (laughs) When he started talking, 
I lost it. <laughs> what do you I mean? Like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Because up until then, it's like all, you know, the regular characters doing regular voices. And then he opens his mouth and is like, rah, 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 like cartoon voice. It's like very space ghost. Um, and I was just, yeah, I was like, um, I, I can't believe it. His uh, species is called Edosian, and he has multiple limbs and voiced by James Dewan. That's yeah, I, ca- I caught that. <laughs> they couldn't get Walter Koenig. They couldn't afford the whole cast. So they're like, listen, uh, Nichelle, uh, Majel, you're going to have you're going to have to double up on the women's characters. Yeah, and James yeah, Dewan, any, almost literally any other man. You're going to do it. I can do a Mr. Eric's. What do you think? So that's what he, he was a radio, uh, like a radio play actor. So, you yeah, know, he had some experience in multiple voices, uh, but an orange alien character on the bridge, something they obviously couldn't have done in the original series. Here he is. He's, he's, in the... <laughs> well, it was, I'm like, well, this is like the, is this how they appeal to children by having this weird, like ET like character? I think it's both. Praying I think it's like both. Type yeah. character. I think it's both. We can do this because we couldn't do it on the show, and the kids will love it. <laughs> Just put in the window. Yeah, we'll sell it. merchandise to this guy, right? <laughs> Mr. Eric's Hush very dolls. popular in in 1973. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's get into the grades. We have our stripped down uh, format here. I think it'll work. So great moments, Kristen. We don't have to like do full scenes. Just like stuff you liked in the episode. I mean, I just put down Lieutenant Lieutenant Eric's. What the fuck is going on there? <laughs> like um, this proto ET. You're like, I don't trust the cut of his jib. What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, who thought of this? I was, I was. It was so off putting. Like it stopped off-putting. me in my tracks. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Three legs and three arms. I think they just wanted an alien on there, and. Uh, Filmation's color palettes and all that. They had a lot of production limitations in terms of what they could do. I can't wait till you meet the Emrys, the the cat, the cat woman on the ship. Oh, uh, so. All right. What else? What else? What other moments? This isn't so much like a great moment. I just thought it was kind of funny. But when um, Captain Kirk calls down to the governor of Mantilles and is like, well, you got to evacuate. And they're having this pretty long conversation about it. And then he's like, well, there is no choice. We'll save the children. And I just like the idea of a bunch of kids by themselves on a ship floating off somewhere. That's right. The only survivors. Like what's the age cut off? Yeah, we'll eventually find out it was only about 5,000 out of 82 million because they only have about three hours to evacuate this whole planet. And then rather than like do a lottery, they're just like, ah, all we can do is the kids. Yeah, that was the first great moment I put. Well, it was actually right before that where Kirk's sort of asking everyone's opinion first, because that's a great moment, too, where he's actually talking to the governor. But before that, remember, he asked everyone on the bridge. He's like, hey, there's not a lot of time. Do you think it's even worth telling Mantilles Mm -hmm. that this is happening? Mm -hmm. Should we try to save anybody like because if we can't do it, the planet's doomed and it's not looking good. So I even just like that that was a deliberation right there on the bridge. Um, I mean, in the last episode, Spock had to decide if he was going to put his dog down or not. So this oh. <laughs> this show does not shy away from like, <laughs> making decisions about life slightly, and death. Yeah, slightly yeah. higher, but... Yes. <laughs> um, so they go into this cloud and the cloud turns out it has like uh, like a digestive system they determine or like mm-hmm. a version of a digestive system with a lot yeah. of antimatter and cool sci-fi space energy stuff. Uh, I like the sequence where they realize, Hey, these villi, these little uh, stomach, like in your real life, in your stomach lining, you have these little hairs and stuff to help with digestion. And they're like, we could like snip a bit of it cause it's antimatter and we can put it in our engine and it'll like recharge the whole ship. And I just like the sequence to mm-hmm. it, um, where they go and get it. And then we get yeah, the, the, the um, animation there was really interesting. Yeah. I like them going inside the warp engine. You know, like we got to see all the cool like space pistons for lack of a better yeah. term. Um, and then for me at the 18 minute mark, 
one of the coolest things if you're going to do a Star Trek show, you got to do it. Spock mind melds with the cloud. Yeah, I put that one there. <laughs> and the cloud replies, what? <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. What? <laughs> it's Spock. It's basically Letter Nimoy having a, a conversation with Majel Barrett. It's pretty It great. is. And uh, it's, it's very funny. But he's trying to convince... He tries to convince it that, uh, hey, don't don't eat these planets. There's beings on here who wouldn't like that. And then he's like, hey, listen, maybe I'm not coming across very clearly. Why don't you get inside my body and I'll let you interact with everybody? Uh, and I thought that was amazing. That was fantastic. That was wonderful. It made me very happy. Uh, any other great moments you want to spot? No. Okay. I don't think anything beats Spock mind melding <laughs> with the cloud. So best Trek tropes in that moment, we get a Spurk moment because the first thing Spock does is he touches Kirk's cheek. He yeah. puts his hand. So there yeah. we go. There's a Trek trope. <laughs> Got to put that in there. <laughs> uh, what about what about you? <laughs> I put, you know, cosmic cloud slash nebula. Is it alive? Yes. It's always alive. <laughs> in some uh, way. Yep. I mean, a giant. Yeah, exactly. There's doomsday machine, immunity syndrome, a little bit of the changeling just because like Spock mind melds with it. And then so then it's also obviously Star Trek, the motion picture, a giant cloud devouring things in its path, that kind of thing. But also had a little bit and then, you know, like motion picture and the changeling Spock again, mind melding. And at the end, he even says uh, Kirk's like, hey, what did you experience in there? And he's like the wonders of the universe. Like that's exactly what happens in motion picture when he mind melds with V'ger. Um, he like just sees its whole journey. Uh, but then also a little bit like the crystalline entity where it's just this force of nature that's mm-hmm. just destroying planets and ships and life. And it doesn't really have a, doesn't really realize what it's doing. So um, yeah, that's classic Star Trek. And so along those lines, uh, a mind meld, which gets called a mind touch mm-hmm. in, uh, in this one, but it's a mind meld. So yeah, I also put Spock has a theory. <laughs> that is alive. That's the act out. Yes, that's fantastic. Yes. And then Captain Kirk wants to blow up the cloud, even if it's an intelligent being. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and slash breaking Starfleet regulations. I did like that they were like, we're not supposed to actually do that, you know. He's <laughs> like, yeah. Well. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't uh, care worst, either. Yeah. Uh, worst Trek tropes. What do you have? Um. So they kind of, okay, not a trope, I just didn't know where else to put this, but they talk about, like, the, is the cloud going to poop out the Enterprise? Like, that's what <laughs> that, they're kind of inferring is going to Yeah, happen. they get into they're the gonna, small intestine especially. Yeah, so. they're going to fly out its butt <laughs> is the plan. Uh, I had the self-destruct, not bluff, but in this case it wasn't a bluff, the cloud was unaware but kind of the schmuck bait of the self-destruct countdown, you know, we know they're not going to blow up the Enterprise. I also put Captain Zog supplemental, but it's clearly something he wouldn't have had time to record when he's like, we only have 15 minutes left until our power is drained. Great one. Yes. Yeah, like he Good. stops to narrate yep. it. Yep. That's a really um, good And then I, I thought Scotty's wild solution with the tractor beam and the force fields was like a little out there. A little, very cartoon. Yeah, it, it was. Oh, like, this well, isn't... Uh, we can't let it touch us. Well, it's okay. Yes. I'll just do a force field. That's right. Don't worry about it. Like, oh, okay, so that's, that's perfect. Yeah, this is what I said with the Tuvix episode. I'm like, it's animated Star Trek, so I respect that it's animated. But sometimes within that, they do things that are just cartoonish. And this mm-hmm. was very much like <laughs> it can't touch anything. Scotty will be blown up. Ah, that's no problem. <laughs> no, 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 I've already thought of that. Yeah. We'll just draw lines around it and it'll be fine. Uh, now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines. There is no um, choice, Jim. We'll save the children. Yeah. So I, I didn't really think this was a, these were great lines. I just thought the line reading was good. Prepare to file a, a fire all phasers into the cloud mass. And then we'll use fo- the photons to kill the brain <laughs> once they learn it has a brain. 
It is like a huge bull grazing here and there in the pasture of the universe. That's how Spock describes mm-hmm. the cloud. But then also once Spock's inside or talking to the uh, cloud, what? I am inside <laughs> you. <laughs> the huh? way he says, I'm just like, hey, it just hangs there, though. I am inside you. <laughs> it's, yeah. Why? Why you think to me? <laughs> that was Ugh. one of the lines that's in there. <laughs> Um, and then I did, I already said this, but like Spock, what did you perceive in there? The <laughs> wonders of the universe, Captain. Incredible. Completely incredible. And never elaborates on it. That's right. But if we think about Spock's Starfleet career, he has had his mind blown many times. Yeah. Kirk's yeah. blown out his back and the universe <laughs> has blown out his mind. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, everyone takes something different from their time on the Enterprise. <laughs> now it's time for the line must be drawn there. Great art. Um, <laughs> it, it was either that or the line must be drawn like this. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you um, So, yeah, we already talked about it, but like the whole um, the piston uh, stuff, like the just all that animation of like the innards of the Enterprise. And like the veiny parts of like the the workings of the cloud, like its um, digestive system. Yeah, no, it was so cool. Uh, I did have one of the stock shots of the Enterprise. It's like the second we're looking straight on. It's at the very first captain's log. So you've got the, you know, the side to side view, but then it cuts to where we're looking at it straight on. I don't know. I just think the Enterprise is a pretty ship. And mm-hmm. even though it's it's been hand drawn in this case, I think it's pretty. Yeah, they have a lot of really nice beauty shots of the of the Enterprise in this. Yep, and and it really does feel like a character as much as as the rest of them, which is great. Oh, but the engine room part of it didn't it kind of also remind you the sequence in uh, Galaxy Quest? Yeah, the, the end sequence. <laughs> Why is this here? Why is this? <laughs> uh, so that that was fun. Um, I did like the pose. The way they drew Spock when he sits down with his hands out to touch to mind touch the cloud, he almost looks like he's like doing. It like doesn't usually look like thing. that yeah. in the real yeah. shows, but yeah. the live action shows and right. movies. What part of this will they teach at Starfleet Academy? Well, if you have Spock on board, everything will be fine. <laughs> Every ship needs a Spock. Yes. Yeah, um, that's yeah, true. That was those the useless Vulcans. That's right. There was no other solution besides the mind meld. So that's absolutely correct. Or when the blowing other themselves up. Or blowing themselves up. That's true. Those are two things. It would probably um, have some very upset little kids, though, who are eating their lucky charms and just very upset that that happened on Saturday morning. <laughs> that's true. That's a good, um, like, you know, whenever they talk about in Star Trek about missing ships and like what happened, the mystery of this ship or this or that. And it's like if one of those times had to have been they were not so lucky as to have a Spock or a Data. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we have to blow up the ship and that's it. I mean, it's kind of in where no man has gone before, right? Where the the horizons breaching the galaxy and then they get taken over by the Esper thing. And then mm-hmm. they they blow up the ship and they try to warn the Enterprise off they're like, hey, don't go into the energy barrier. There's a thing in there. <laughs> They do it anyway. Uh, yeah, I had. Um, we know they talk about killing the sentient life form, and it's their duty to protect life. So I think that will kind of like be reasserted. That's definitely something they already teach. This might become get folded into the lesson. This is the extreme the Enterprise goes to to try to preserve this regulation or guideline or belief or whatever. But also probably how there exists in the universe macro filaments of antimatter. That you can transport. Seems like yeah. a big deal. <laughs> Seems like a really and, uh, big deal. I guess deal. that force field mumbo jumbo Scotty was talking about. <laughs> I right. need to start teaching people that because that sounded completely impossible. That's right. <laughs> I also uh, like back about the, the self-destruct. Like everyone on board's like, yes, of course. Uh, all right. So Trek, marry or kill. One of our planets is missing. I give it a Trek, I guess. I mean, it wasn't offensive. No, I had, yeah, and I had as a Trek as well. It was kind of a tough first half, kind of, again, techno babbly, like you said, and not all that interesting. And then I think the second half 
basically once they they go to steal some of the antimatter and put it in the ship and all that stuff. I think from that point on, you know, when the teeth come to try to chew it, chew the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> and they basically punch it in the in the teeth. Uh, <laughs> I think from that point on, it, it's pretty solid. Oh, I forgot uh, about that part. Oh, that part was wild. I was like, what is this? <laughs> they, they look like popcorn kernels or like before you bake yeah. those Pillsbury dough rolls. Like, oh, just yeah, before. yeah. No, but the, they were, the, the popcorn kernel. That's And then, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, and then it gets described as teeth, and like that's that's interesting to me. <laughs> and they're not so, like attached, no, or in a certain array like normal teeth. Disengaged teeth appears to be actually fewer than in a human mouth. Disengaged teeth, one of the two. Yes, would be wild if you just had free floating teeth all over your body. Teeth, and you had yeah. a. That's how you had to chew, I guess. Oh well, that's well. right. <laughs> Seems like something you'd see in like a Suspiria or something. Just yeah. so um. Teeth. This show is like for smart kids, right? Because there's a lot of like, you know, adult vocabulary being used. Like the words being used are not easily understood by, say, you know, a five-year-old. I, yeah, I think it was basically for Star Trek fans, to be perfectly honest. And that Mm -hmm. they were, they, there was no effort to dumb it down. Yeah, there was just like the only thing that we really have to do is like make sure that it's 30 minutes and that's, you know, compress our format that way. But yeah, they weren't really trying to dumb it down. They were trying to like do lessons, though, and in like a Star Trek way. So I guess in that sense they were. But yeah, it's not for like six year olds. And I think adults were watching it. So, yeah, I think um, my husband looked it up while we were watching these and said that most of them were most of the audience was like teenagers a little bit older than or like star trek fans like adults not like your little kids one nemi uh, yeah so stuck it, did uh, say what did... time of day it i guess it wouldn't necessarily air at the same time on every station though yeah i don't know I, that i don't actually have the top of my head what what do you think uh, this seems like one of those i would not want to watch it at 7 30 in the morning Saturday no, morning. I think because that's when the little kids are. Uh, yeah. That's why I think it would be more like 10 a.m. Yeah, 10 sounds um, about right. Yeah. <laughs> or even up to 11 before the sports starts. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of wild. It's it's really grown on me being and it's like, you know, it's it's the cast. So it sounds like the show and like the original series in a lot of ways. And I don't know the ideas. Do they are, ever are... explain why Chekhov isn't there? No. <laughs> They don't. <laughs> but uh, Walter Koenig would go on to write an episode, The Infinite ah. Vulcan. So it's not like they forgot about him completely. And then Leonard Nimoy, he refu- refused to do the show if Nichelle Nichols wasn't on it. So because oh, we nice. got there on the first day, he was like, where's where's Nichelle? Where's Walter? And they're like, we can't afford them. He was like, well, I'm definitely not doing it without Nichelle Nichols. So, um, yeah, I so. feel like that would that's just like a slap on the face. Yeah. To not have her on. For sure. This is it. Here's your chance to enter and win one of 100 Slinky sets on Nickelodeon Super Slinky Star Trek Saturday. Super Slinky Star Trek Saturday on Nickelodeon boldly goes where no Slinky has gone before. Here's how to enter and win Trekkies. Write down your name, address, age, phone number, and send it to Super Slinky Star Trek Saturday. AAF Box 2111, New York, New York, 10116. Entries must be in by December 2, 1986. Enter to win a Slinky set from Slinky and Nickelodeon, a place where only kids win. Having those spaced out Saturday morning watching Nickelodeon. Joe and Sebastian and Turkey TV, normally seen this hour, will not be seen today due to powers from beyond as Nickelodeon's Super Saturday Star Trek Marathon continues. Beat yourself up, stay tuned, and stand by to enter and win. Oh, and fasten your belt. I give up. Chris and I've never been more excited for you to watch an episode of Star Trek <laughs> just so we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Lorelei signal. Written by a woman. Yes. That was my first thought when I saw the name coming up. 
Margaret Arman, who wrote three episodes of the original series, directed by Hal Sutherland, and it aired September 29th, 1973. It's a magnificent half hour of television. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Like, uh, I've, I rejuggled our, our, our whole schedule, recording schedule, to make sure that we yeah. talked about this one. <laughs> yeah, you, you because... texted me about it. I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. Uh, a race of beautiful women remains immortal by stealing the life force of men. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> what Memory Alpha doesn't tell you is that Lieutenant Ohura takes command of the Enterprise <laughs> after all the men are uh. too fucking horns. <laughs> they have severe boners after hearing the siren song of like this planet all the of Shiraz. Has drained from their brain. And they all look like Shira, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, uh, same hair with the with the weird um, crown. The crown. Thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh, we did it, fam. Uhura is in command of the ship. Yeah, here it took <laughs> it took some far fetched. Uh, well, actually, it's not far. Uh, a bunch of men getting themselves into such trouble they can't command a ship is pretty believable. But for Star Trek, it took quite quite a story. That's right. For her to finally be in command. I tried to find, do a little research beforehand because apparently Margaret Arman in one of her three episodes, or maybe it was one she pitched and it didn't go, but she had tried to put her in the captain's chair during the third season of TOS mm. and they just said no. So she, <laughs> she put it in here, but there's no pushback from the studio or the network or Gene Roddenberry or anybody like that to put her in command of the enterprise the networks were only concerned about how the women looked. <laughs> but, but then also we don't like see Ohura sit the captain's chair and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But that which would have been really cool. But um, just Nichelle Nichols being command of the Enterprise one time in the course of the original series or even the movies, that would have been fucking awesome. I'm so disappointed we never got to see that. Yeah. But the Lorelei signal is basically if you're going to just play all the hits with these uh, animated series, the one where Captain Kirk and co are overwhelmed by women being so hot is <laughs> like you, that's on the list of Trek tropes that you absolutely like, have to do. <laughs> they, if you haven't seen it, like the, the, the tone of their voices all change. Like, Oh, this is magnificent. This is beautiful. <laughs> like just be, 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 be. <laughs> that's like right it's the it's the button-up version of the awuga or they're just yeah. like so. <laughs> they all have that face of the you know the winnie the pooh and the tuxedo meme they all have that face where they're like mm, <laughs> i'm feeling good <laughs> um so this is the also the episode the lorelei signal that pushed into pop culture beam me up scotty wow i didn't like, know he he says, beam us up, Scotty, or like Scotty, beam us up. He doesn't say those exact words, but it's from this point that it becomes the cultural force that it did, that it was, which I think, I don't know how much of it has survived, if it's really survived into the 21st century that people are saying it quite a lot. But I remember hearing it out of context in the 90s, for sure, mm-hmm. 80s and 90s. It was definitely a thing. I, I st- uh, we still hear it occasionally, I think. Yeah. Okay. So percentage wise, it's gone down, but it's still there. Yeah. Writer David Gerald, he wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, and I guess he was there for the record or something. He remembered, Nichelle was reading through the script, and she says, I'm taking command of this ship. And then Nichelle Nichols, like, turns and goes, at last! She just got so excited. Uh, And Gerald also stated, she just had so much fun with that, and that goes back to who Nichelle Nichelle is. But really... The crew, the enter, the men of the Enterprise being too horny to function. That's really what the it's amazing. <laughs> and then, and then later, too old to function. That's right, too old. So the women uh, were able to survive, uh, evolve when these aliens came to this planet, and it started to drain their life forces. The women were able to evolve, adapt, and the men couldn't, and so the women were able to. Uh, adapt and, and adjust their technology even to like draining the men's remaining life force so that they could survive and basically become immortal. It's kind of the inverse of what we hear now, right? Remember that like 103 year old woman, they're like, what's the secret to your long life? And she's like, no men. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, men are the reason why women don't live so long. So here's, mm-hmm. here's a nice, um, uh, and I guess inversion of that, but uh, Majel Baird is Thela, the lead female. Which mm-hmm. is funny. <laughs> oh, so let me just ask you and some it questions. It does. It sounds just like, or there's no yeah. like difference. Which is when Nurse Chapel comes in, it's like, yeah, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so does a woman having written this episode, does that did that change your thinking going into it? I guess well, we're more certainly open in the to back this of my mind okay. when I was watching it. <laughs> because it doesn't really come off as necessarily like misogynistic, like Spock's brain or something. Mm-hmm. It's just really funny. That's, yeah. I mean, that's all I can really say. <laughs> They're hearing a siren song. Spock's imagining this floating woman like with bongo drums. <laughs> it's just- yeah. Oh, my gosh. The the fantasies they see initially are really funny. All of them white, white or blonde haired and blue eyed. So, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But that's how powerful their siren song is. Uh, it affects all the men equally the same. Um even Sulu gets into the mix. He, yeah, even, even yeah, he's which got the is the pretty face. wild, but yeah. <laughs> and then Ohara really has to like assign uh, women security guards to all the transporter rooms so the men don't beam down all yeah. horns. <laughs> don't just leave. <laughs> all right, let's get into it's like some real great moments. I've kind of tossed out a bunch of them, but I think we've really talked about it. Can I just say when they're all hearing all the women? It's I'm laughing my ass off, but the hard cut when they're like, Dr. McCoy, come to the bridge. And her is like, no answer. And then it hard cuts to him sitting there like he's Oppenheimer thinking. And he's mm-hmm. like, that's nice. Magnolias in the summertime, whatever it was. Yes. All right. It's immediately apparent that the women on board are not are immune to the sorcery. Right. Like instantly. Um, I also put that after they, after, (laughs) so Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and a red shirt beam down. And when they're in the sex temple, the, the ladies all go, welcome, Captain Kirk, Lieutenant Sulu, and Mr. Spock. And then don't say anything about the red shirt, just like no name. And he's just sitting there like with his. With a giant smile on his face. Right. <laughs> it's, I'm like, what's going on here? But it's very funny. They intentionally leave the unnamed red shirt out. Right. And then in that moment, Kirk goes, how do you know who we are? How do you know our names? And then that's when we hear Thila says, the Optuad tells us everything. <laughs> and what the fuck is the Optuad? She hums to activate basically a giant reared projection tv (laughs) those giant tvs from the 70s and 80s but uh she really hums to activate this and it's a beat that gets repeated later when spock in an escape also has to hum but the landing party where they meet when they meet them they're just like i am the lead female it is so over the top like this is the planet of the women episode that why didn't the original series ever do it Like, like this is a missed is, opportunity because it's they would have loved to have all these hot blondes out out on you know in the sex temple. That's right, and I mean, audience, this is a Saturday morning cartoon. It's not a sex temple per se, but it's like it has it has like large pillows on the floor. Yes, it's a the sex temple, and like uh, <laughs> curtains. It's a sex temple. Okay, it's for sex. The next great moment I have is one of the Torian women, I think because they're in the Torian systems, I'm just going to call them Torian women. She's like balancing gems or like vase vases and everyone's watching. Uh, And then, and then suddenly she like tries to play fetch with Spock, like tosses him a ball and he stands up and then he gets dizzy and he falls over. And then suddenly so do all the men and they realize like, Oh, this is not quite what we thought it was going to be. And McCoy chalks it up to like something they drank or whatever. It's like really packs a punch. But it ends with Thela saying, take them to the slumber chamber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I love that the reveal that Kirk got his own bed. Yeah. Like, and the bed. <laughs> now this bed. Holy moly. 
it, it's quite nice. It's it, uh, ornate. Yes. For, too ornate for, for most, I would think. Not yes. my taste, but <laughs> if I was going to live in a sex temple, I'd, I would want this bed too. And he wakes up and he's wearing a headband as are Spock and McCoy. And they've turned into raisins. I, I mean, they're really mm-hmm. old now. Or they've aged. They suddenly. look so beat for cartoons. <laughs> like, so beat. They didn't have to do them that dirty, but. <laughs> really did. And then because filmation is what it is, like their hair is the same color. Yeah. Which would have been the easier thing to do and they didn't do it. <laughs> so they just drew a bunch of lines. Uh, next great moment for me is just Uhura taking command. She's like, I've heard enough. <laughs> yeah. I think prior to that, um, the women pick up the men and no, just later. leave them that, onto the, oh, is it? Okay. That's, that's, later. that's my okay. next beat, but we can talk about it now. That's when they try to escape and Thela says, obstruct them. How would you describe this, <laughs> this moment, Kristen? So they, like he pick up the guys over their heads and heave them onto pillows. Like they're, they're rag dolls. They yeah. Just... Like they weigh nothing for half a beat. It's that meme of the really tall woman picking up the really mm-hmm. small woman. <laughs> pressing her against the wall. <laughs> but the, the women just totally Amazon, the bros uh, yeah. as they're trying to escape. And um, it looks incredible. You know, you can say what you want about the filmation animation style, but it looks really funny. And it because everyone's so static and not moving most of the time, whenever they do move, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, for me, the next, I mean, that moment was incredible. The men escape and they hide out in a large hollow vase in the art garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Turns out to I be like, not a good idea. No, what I like about the this moment, though, is more the music. It's like a really cool 70s chase music mm-hmm. with this beat. And it's the show's theme. But again, with like a little more like uh, uh, faster pace. It isn't a good idea because then it starts raining and the vase fills up with water and these old men are going to die. But that, you know, Spock goes off. Spock still because Vulcans live a long time. He's the strongest. So they're like, you should go, which leads mm-hmm. to mine. Go find help. Find our communicators. And so that leads to my next great moment, which is Spock. Right, before we move on, though, I also put the look on Scotty's face when Uhura takes over the ship. <laughs> He's just like staring off into space with a stupid smile on his face, like no clock on the wall, just. <laughs> and her's like, I'll answer for it. I'm, d-. And then he's just like, oh, OK, that's nice. Spock has to hum to activate the Optiwad. And I'm. <laughs> Really curious to know if Leonard Nimoy actually recorded that. I cannot replicate the hum. I've tried. It's it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a squealing ghost kind of thing. Yeah, I can't do it either. It's it's not it's not a pleasing sound. No, and it seems like it should be. That's sort of the premise mm-hmm. of it, but it's not. Like, it's not a siren song, let's say. No. Uh, and then I had a few more great moments, but we agree that the next one is when Uhura is like, I'm going, Spock's able to call for help. And then Uhura is like, I need an all women security mm-hmm. team. And we're going down there. And but yeah. before they go, they're in the transporter room and all the women are standing there. Uh, you got your blonde. You got your dirty blonde. You got two brunettes, one with freckles. They're all wearing skirts. They all have their hands on their hips. Yeah. I couldn't get over the pose. They, they, all the women in the show have the same pose. I, it's like, is that only how men saw women standing in the well, I think it's just the only, the only uh, background characters they had already drawn. <laughs> if I know anything about animation, which I don't really know that much, but I know that you can recycle, um, drawings and it's quicker to do that so that's probably what it was the next great moment for me is then they beam down and they immediately face off with mm-hmm. they start and the shooting women. the the fembots it's great <laughs> and they just totally kick ass they just like they take command of the situation they get these idiots out of the jam <laughs> they just shoot their way through the situation <laughs> i've long said that if they had put Uhura on a landing party a lot of the shit would get solved quicker. Uh, I have to just be gross here and say that all the women are beautiful. 
<laughs> they're all hand drawn. They they're all they all look not, very not pretty. Not in uggo <laughs> no. between them. I was very like, oh, I wish that the freckled one existed in the in real yeah, life. All with the perkiest tits you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> That's true. That defy I, gravity. Well, they are on a spaceship where gravity is artificial. So mm. <laughs> I I do think this was a scene that we were all denied from the original series. Yeah. And it would have been simply incredible. Uh, the way the the Torian women dramatically fall after they've been stunned. Mm-hmm. That was even a nice little touch. <laughs> uh, and then the next, the last, for me, the last great moment was her looking for the men. And remember, Spock is the only one that's escaped. So the other men are in the water, the vase that's filling up with water, which again, rain, you can't really do on TV. So this is another example mm-hmm. of the, with the aging and just anyway, and so they're they're going around and Spock reaches out with his mind and mind touches Nurse Chapel. And I'm like, this seems like an episode that Strange New Worlds should be all over. But yeah, like, they should do it. And then we Please. get real. We get real Nurse Chapel Spock stuff, which is like, oh, Spock. Yeah. Oh, no, what's wrong with it? And Spock looks. He looks like a, like a, a turtle. He's like he <laughs> looks a very old turtle. Beat. He looks really bad. But I really like the 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 mind touch, the mind meld. Uh, although two episodes in a row where he's done that now. So mm-hmm. actually, now I'm thinking about it. he did it in yesteryear. Did he do it in Beyond the Farthest Star? I'm blanking, but he's done it in a lot of them. Anyway, uh, best Trek tropes. You first. The honeypot. <laughs> <laughs> If you were doing this now, they would all kind of look more like what the writers would think the characters were into. Yeah. Like, like it would be a Vulcan woman doing something instead or whatever, but. Ooh, it would be really interesting though. If you found out like someone has a very offbeat <laughs> preference. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, that's a great one. Yes. It's cl- a classic Star Trek honeypot. <laughs> yeah. And then I put, you know, it's, Kirk going to have to fuck his way out of this. And I was pleasantly surprised that no, he fails to do that. Actually. He's just um, overwhelmed uh, right away. It's not even, can't even think about it. Can't even think straight. No. Uh, yeah. I, that's the same. I had like Starfleet men being overwhelmed by women. Like mm-hmm. how often in Star Trek shows are like, Whoa, woman. And she's, hobo, hobo. she's looking at me. Wow. Um, <laughs> the transporter being the solve for the aging problem. That's how they mm-hmm. are able to de-age. Yeah, I, transport repattering. And I also put sorry and brandies mentioned like the yep. anytime the alien foods. Um, and then Uhura saves the idiot men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worst Trek tropes. So mine was like, I, I'm, I don't know. I never liked when, the the white ethnic men would sing the white ethnic songs in all of Star Trek. Scotty sings. Mm. In this case, it's a Welsh ballad, but like Riley in the Naked Time, and I think it's supposed to be annoying when Riley does it. You know, they sing Irish drinking songs, they sing singing French, and all this other stuff when they get drunk or when they're acting weird. Can I just the song? I'm not going to be able to say it in Welsh because I I don't speak Welsh and I can't understand what these letters are. But the translation is. He was singing a song called The Yellow Cream. This is when Ohura like <laughs> escorts him off the bridge. Um, it's a, It involved, the story is, uh, a man falls in love with a girl named Gwen who helps him milk her cows, the virgins in the text above. Mm-hmm. I'll read the thing. He's too shy to reveal this to her. But one day, as he is anguishing over to trying to tell her, she turns to him as red-faced as he is and promises to marry him. So he's in love with the girl Aww. and he can't say anything. She says, I'm in love with you. Uh, but in the script, it's stated this is all from memory alpha. He sings the chorus of an old love ballad in either Welsh or Gaelic. The caveat follows in the script selection of ballad must be left to Mr. Dewan since this writer knows nothing of either Gaelic or Welsh. <laughs> so, good job, Margaret Arman. Uh, and then th- what he says just really quickly to gentle rows of virgins, black speckled fairest in the land from the rich grazing ground of the green cl- uh, clovered meadow, whilst Gwen milked the dozen one by one. So that's what he says. Um, but I don't like it. <laughs> it's, a, okay. it's an annoying truck joke when they do it to me. Anyway, <laughs> any worse truck jokes? Um, 
Well, we got Kirk going on the landing par- landing party. The worst this, time. Yeah, for, for the, I mean, didn't go f- so well for him. And I also put um, the red shirt lives. You want to see him die? <laughs> well, he's just like, an unnamed character who has no lines. I thought he had, he does has, a, he has a name and a line. Because when they does beam he? down, when they beam down, he says, hey, Captain, and uh, Captain, do you want me to take these environmental readings? And he's like, no, Baxter or whatever his name is. Spock will do that. He lived way too long, (laughs) meaning he could still be alive to this day for all I know. Like you have a red shirt on a landing party that the women don't know the name of. They almost certainly. Yeah. And he would have been the example of what happens when you wear the band too long or when a woman just like drains you too fast. Um, That might be that they definitely would do that. Um, Carver was his name. So there we go. Oh. Mr. Carver. Now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines. I am Thela, head female. <laughs> head female is just a weird thing yeah. to say. Head female? Yeah. Thank you. Is that an elected position? Is it a public yeah, office? I think or maybe, she was just, maybe she's a pretender to the throne. We don't even know. Right. Um... I put the women radiate delight. <laughs> Margaret Armin was like, we need to answer this pain and delight bullshit from Spock's brain. Mm-hmm. They just radiate delight. No pain. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, abstract them. <laughs> <laughs> I, for some reason, I liked McCoy's line when Spock's noticing that these women like in their biology, it's like they have strong telekin- telekinesis, he says, telekinesis. Can the- but it's McCoy says, first time I ever admired a body function. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I, that was weird. I love Kirk's captain's log where he's like, the beauty of this place is unequaled. It's yeah. the answer to all a man's dreams. <laughs> like that's that's how you know your captain has gone bye bye but then uh i also love when mccoy's like where are the men and then thela says <laughs> they are in another compound and then kirk says that makes sense <laughs> yeah right okay. <laughs> oh i would i mean he predates will ferrell saying that oh. as a punchline <laughs> to so many things <laughs> in our modern comedies uh spock as he's after he's able to get the, to the communicator, but he's dying of old age. Request rescue party, all female. Mm-hmm. Repeat, all female. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such great lines to be taken out of context. But anyway, this is also Saturday morning children's cartoon program. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to think about it yeah, in it context. Was pretty <laughs> horny for a kid's program on Saturday morning. Yeah, it's weird to be like, all these are really beautifully drawn women. They all look smoking Mm -hmm. hot. Yeah, they are. (laughs) I can remember describing, I guess, being in arguments. uh, You know, you're in college and you're like trying to, you're learning about other perspectives, feminism, especially and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, but do women get so horny that they can't function? Because that's sometimes what happens to us. And I know I'm not alone. It's like we can't do anything. And like and and I'm saying that because there's like a part in this episode where they're like uh, the men are so overwhelmed, they will die. Is like, I think I can't remember who says that. Oh, maybe when they're studying the biology in the medical lab before Uhura takes command. And once she realizes like the men could die from being horny. No, I got to take command of the ship. I think that's what happens. But I just like to me, it really touched on these weird things of like, yeah, when I was younger, it sometimes felt like I was going to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe that's where this uh, this plays to. Younger I, I mean, it, it definitely <laughs> happens. Like, have you ever seen it just plays out, plays itself out in different ways. So have you ever come across a woman who is like dating someone who's just like a real, real piece of shit? And you're like, what does she see in him? Hmm. That's probably it. That's probably it. It's, <laughs> the destruction good. is usually limited to ourselves got it it's just like a self-destruct you know destruction thing but yes like there are many stories i've heard of like i drove across town in the middle of the night for some idiot 
to have sex on a, a, a like an air mattress or something like bad stuff that you wouldn't you shouldn't do like you shouldn't drive across town on a on a weeknight when you have to get up early for like the worst man on earth but sometimes 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 i have not done that personally but sometimes you imagine them playing the bongo drums in your mind (laughs) (laughs) must touch or will die (laughs) but i think it was a bold choice to have a children's programming episode feature men so horny they might die (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was a very bold choice uh now it's time for the line must be drawn there great art i I, all the dumb smiles on the horned men's faces come on yeah and i thought the sex palace or temple i thought it looked pretty nice so something about this show is remarkable to me it takes place you know it was takes place in the future what am i saying the show takes place in the future Mm -hmm. it was produced in like the 70s early 70s the 1970s design aesthetics of the real world somehow like filtering into this cartoon as though it was production designed in real life in the 70s. Do you, do mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Like if they produced that show live action, it would look a lot like how they drew it because they would be using the same materials and structures. Yeah. Well, I and did. They- I did hear like a costume designer talking about how it's almost impossible to create costumes for the future without being influenced by the current or the past. So it's very difficult to do that. And most of the time, I wouldn't say anyone, like it wasn't meant as like a, to talk about it as a failure, but it's just a stamp of the time in which it was made. And which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. And I'm saying like, I'm so impressed by how strikingly, of its time period that it was made in that -hmm. it's reflected in the future. It's trying to present like, that is incredible that even in animation that that's so, cause obviously in live action that comes through when they were going to do star Trek phase two in the seventies, late seventies, like the captain's chair was going to be like one of those clam couches, like that you'd see in like a seventies, Oh, yeah. or something like a papazon almost so it's like what the fuck like it was a very 70s bridge that would have killed the franchise but it's just like spock's house when he travels back in time in yesteryear like that one looked like a house from the 70s like but obviously gussied up for the future and you're totally right like all the a lot of the design choices for this were like that sculpture that they're hiding in the vase in the garden like mm-hmm. that's a 70s sculpture it's it's pretty wild um, what part of this will they teach at Starfleet Academy? <laughs> um, that you should hire, you should probably hire more women. <laughs> hire more and, women guards. <laughs> yeah. And the transporter might be able to de-age you. That seems like yes. a trillion dollar idea right there. So this got into, this was a philosophical question that my wife asked me. She's like, see, the transporters, I don't trust them. Also, why don't why doesn't everyone use that for de-aging and to stay young or live forever? And and my point was that, well, in in Roddenberry's mind, human beings evolve to a point where it's like, well, why would you want to live forever? Because you're greedy or you feel like you're missing something. Well, the entire project of humanity is like bettering yourself and like living a life. And and remember the resolution of this episode is that they can finally leave the planet. They actually get rescued so that they can go die. Like these women Mm -hmm. don't have to like sustain, they can like have a normal life. Um, So like this idea of like, you can have a healthy adjusted life in the Federation would kind of preclude you using the transporter to, you know, live forever or whatever. But that just means there's a great story sitting out there for a bad actor in the Federation to use all this stuff for their own selfish purposes. Yeah. I mean, it's not without its risks. They almost didn't right. make it. <laughs> yeah. The technology of the Optiwad doesn't seem like it's that much different from just asking the main computer a question and having it answered, but still yeah. kind of in. maybe the humming <laughs> or the oh, ability gosh. that they're able to project. One of the things they said at the beginning was like, how is such a strong signal reaching us from so far away? So maybe they yeah. have like really good subspace radio technology. I don't know. Uh, all right. Yeah. Trek. Trek, marry, or kill the Lorelei signal. I freaking love this episode, Brian. I'm giving it a marry, in fact. 
this was so entertaining. <laughs> yes, it was delightful. Not a moment of it was it was I like, oh, this is dragging. I was entertained <laughs> from pillar to post. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want like I I I want to be one of these ladies for Halloween. Like I I mean, I don't really do Halloween, but if I had to, it's, it's great. Really great. Oh, it's really great. I wish that that sequence had even gone on a little bit longer. I'm glad they just phasered them. We don't need like a cat fight or anything. But it was just yeah, so cool seeing fight. them. It just was so cool seeing them all like lined up against each other, uh, or just all the women from the Enterprise. Uh-huh. I, so I think I just felt like loyalty, not like boys versus girls. It was really cool. I was, yeah, I was like debating if it was a Mary because it's almost like too silly of an idea, but I think that's why it's great. It's so entertaining. And it's like, this should have been an episode in the original series. This yeah, I'm shocked that it isn't because it has so many shades of Spock's brain. If they had like not made it overtly offensive to women. Right. Right. And you can imagine the hour long version. I mean, maybe they would pull the punch and have like another random woman, like an ambassador or something who doesn't think very much of Kirk. But then, you know, you could see it going in a lot of different other ways, but just clean, straightforward what this episode was. Oh, her as the captain or takes command. That's great. Yeah. I mean, if it were an hour long episode, I'd hope we get more of that. Yeah. So I'm going to go with go with Mary. It, it was kind of what I was hoping we'd land on anyway. So there we go. <laughs> we don't have to do a poll about it or anything. No polls necessary. <laughs> All right. So there we go. We had a Trek for one of our planets is missing and then a Mary for the Lorelei signal in the canon of Star Trek episodes. <laughs> We're saying this one has to be in there. Um Gave us everything we were hoping for from a silly concept for Star Trek episode. All right, so next month we're going to actually start off and just get right into Lower Decks. I'm going to be joined by Katie Hampton, one of the biggest Star Trek Lower Decks fans we know. She's been on our show before last season uh, for one of the Star Trek Picard episodes, and she'll be back. She'll be doing a lot of the Lower Decks with us starting next month. You can check out all of our standings for what we've done so far at trekmarykillpod.com. I have one more straight thought. Do you think this episode was somebody's sexual awakening. It had to have been <laughs> right. Cause I'm not going to tell, I'm going to tell you right now as a 40 something year old man watching just the women in that, I'm like, she's very pretty. And she's yeah. a damn drunk too. It could have just been someone they traced. Cause they did a lot of tracing on this show. Um, so they, they all look like real people. It had to have been, it had to have been because yeah. the they're, they're just like all. Yeah, absolutely. What was the, yeah. Cause even the She-Ra women, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Did it have, uh, we're talking about men and women or boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never read a story where it's like, I knew I, I'm a, a girl who liked girls when I watched the Lorelei signal. I have not seen that story, but that doesn't. Yeah. I don't think a there. lot of girls were watching the Star Trek true. The animated series. True. So I would say it's probably more likely it was boys. Um, but you never know. It was also there might be some people who are like, I just I don't remember the name of it, but I turn on a cartoon and there are these hot ladies <laughs> throwing men onto onto pillows. That's right. I don't know what it was called, but that's what did it. Also, just to, for my own consistency, even though they're not real, like I wasn't looking at their 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 breasts. I was looking right at their eyes. Their black, okay, well, featureless um, eyes, their faces. That I always go with face first. I didn't notice those until you mentioned them. You're noticing the pointy tits? No, because they had their hands on their hips. So I was laughing at the uh, pose, oh. and then I was looking at their face and their hair. And that's usually how it goes for me. So there we go. <laughs> Even though they had the blonde ladies, you were like, this episode's great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> they had they had the darker haired girls. That's right. And later. The, the freckled one was where I was really like, what is going on with me right now? <laughs> <laughs> what are these feelings? What have I learned about myself <laughs> yes, right. while watching this? Hmm. <laughs> I'm Just like, confirmed everything you already knew, probably. That's right. Half these women I'm pretty sure I can see in Silver Lake if I go down there right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening and until next month for our animated spotlight TMK out bye bye